For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Today, we explore the role of community and how to approach autism with your neighbors. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week, we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Everyone, welcome back. Today we're talking about your friendly neighborhood Girl Scout. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> I know. I don't are know. we the Girl Scouts or are we just, are our girls the Girl Scouts? Who's the Girl Scouts? I don't think they're actually our Girl Scouts. I don't really know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, continuing on. I think this episode is actually perfect because we just moved to a new community and this is focusing on the community at large. So what better way to break in the episode than something we're actively going through right now? With that said, since we are a new place, we have not been able to soundproof our studio yet. So if there's a little more noise than usual, I apologize. We're still working on resetting up our new studio. That's true. You're not hearing these random sounds on the road or wherever you might be listening. (laughs) So um, we are talking about basically the importance of neighborhood communities and kind of like the role that it plays when it comes to autism and how to basically try to build relationships or approach certain things that might be more neighborhood related. Right. So when you're going into a new community, unless you know the people already that you're moving next to, you're basically starting off with a clean slate and you have to kind of navigate, okay, how am I going to go about introducing myself and my family to my neighbors? Uh, Should I disclose anything? And what type of relationship do I want to build with them? And how do I go about doing any of that? So, I mean, it really sets it up for new start to everything. So you kind of have to navigate that water on your own a little bit. Speaking of water, you also want to make sure there's no bodies of water nearby your new neighborhood because your kid might go exploring. I know for us, we quickly identified where all local bodies of water were. And we're like, okay, make sure our kid is not anywhere near there or familiar with or aware of the fact that that water exists. Yep, we don't point those water sources out to them and uh, we just keep moving. And of course, that's because of the high drown rate. And if your child's an eloper, there's typically a high risk of drowning when it comes to that sort of thing. So that's why we make sure to do that. When it comes to creating these kind of community connections, one of the things that we find really important for us specifically is getting to know, in particular, our immediate neighbors. Yeah, I thought it was good that we actually, uh, as soon as we got there, (laughs) second day, I suppose, because we got there late at night, we went over and introduced ourselves to our next door neighbors, uh, just to kind of let them know, like, hey, we're here, like, this is our little family. If you see us around, don't be shy. Like, I mean, we want to build a relationship with you so we have good rapport. So in the case of an emergency, we can reach out or, I mean, we have someone that we can actually kind of rely on a little bit. I mean, granted, we're still relatively new, so we still have to build rapport. But it's nice just knowing or setting the stage for a good relationship in the future. 
When it comes to building like a safe environment for your children in your new neighborhood, it's important, in my opinion, our opinion, to build those relationships, especially with your close by neighbors. Because if you have a child who's an eloper like ours, and God forbid they do escape from your house someday, you're going to be depending upon your neighbors to spot your child before they get into any sort of dangerous situation. One of the first things I did is bring my kids to our neighbors. I introduced them, told them their names, and then I basically told them like, hey, sometimes they might try to kind of like run out of the house. And I just want to let you guys know, if you ever see them out here, you don't see an adult supervisor, they're not supposed to be out here. So please contact us. And one of the nice things about our neighborhood is they actually already have this ongoing community contact sheet. So if our neighbors ever see our kids, you know, running around or something like that, they'll know how to get in touch with us. But of course, you don't have to give them your phone number like that. You can go and only give the phone number to the people you're comfortable with, or just go and give it directly to the neighbors that you either have already built rapport with or or whatever it is that works for you. It just so happens that in our neighborhood, there is this sheet where everybody kind of gives everyone else their contact information. Yeah, I also think it's a good idea just to bring your kids just so they are aware of what they look like. So if they see a random little kid, they will be like, oh, okay, I remember when little Johnny was introduced to my family. Or I mean, if you build a better relationship, they'll clearly know Johnny better. But just so they can kind of put a face with a like address or family so they know that, oh, okay, we know this this little child that's wandering in the streets. Should that ever happen? Hopefully not. <laughs> And along with building rapport with the parents, you know, the neighbors, if there are any kids in the neighborhood, it's a perfect opportunity to introduce your kid to the other kids. That I think works twofold because you can kind of introduce the concept of this child to your child without them having to socialize with them, warming them up to the concept. That way, later on, if they do end up wanting to play with them or something like that, you could kind of transition them in a little easier than if it was like a brand new exposure. Plus, they might tell you something about their their child as well. So like in our case, I mean, we were just kind of saying like, oh, okay, like our, our children might be loud at times, just kind of giving you like a heads up. And they immediately came back with, oh, good, like my my son or, or daughter can also be loud. So just kind of letting you know as well, like, okay, they're not opposed to, oh, okay, if they hear like a kid like screaming or having a meltdown or anything like that, they're not going to like freak out or like be super concerned versus like a person who might not have kids, for example, where they might want something very quiet. But it really depends on your environment. I mean, obviously, if you're in an apartment complex, you might have to work a little bit closer with your neighbors and kind of let them know what the situation is versus if you have like a house or you're a little bit more spread out, it might be a less pressing. Right. And you might learn about some things you have in common. Like we learned that, you know, one of our neighbors, she told us that her child has ADHD. So that already kind of gave us something to kind of bond with right off the bat. And we know she'll get it and we get it. So we kind of got each other's backs. And the other thing that you might be able to touch base with your neighbors is try to figure out their schedules a little bit better. Like Leah's case, Leah, you work from home. So you're kind of able to mention, hey, I work from home. So like if you ever need anything, feel free to stop by and build a rapport there. And they kind of came back with, yeah, usually I'm off Thursday and Friday afternoons, for example. So you're able to kind of gauge like, oh, okay, our neighbors will kind of be around. So if we needed anything on these days, or if for some reason our, our kid steps out into like the little cul-de-sac and it happens to fall on one of those days, oh, okay, hopefully there'll be like a set of eyes on them, for example. And it's good to kind of build a little bit more rapport or a relationship with your neighbors because I feel like they can kind of act a bit as a safety net in a absolute uh, dire situation where they can kind of hopefully step in and help you out if things kind of take a turn for the worst. 
The other reason you want to build rapport is because you can gain some empathy or some additional support for your child. For example, we learned that our neighbor has this really big dog that our child more than likely is going to be scared of because dogs is one of those things that kind of scares them because of the noise. And we kind of like had that as an opportunity to explain it to her. They got to know our kids. They got to see our kids. So that kind of helped us form some empathy so that they don't just think that we're like the mean neighbors who complain about the dog or the the time. Like we explained to them, like our kids are scared of dogs, they have noise sensitivities. I'm going to keep them in the backyard and the fence as much as possible. But if for any reason you do happen to see them out in the front and your dog's around, if you could just please like try to, you know, keep a friendly distance between because they're going to be really scared, that sort of thing. And thankfully, I mean, it seems like the neighbors that we introduced ourselves to with the dog and they were very understanding to that. And they kind of said, oh, okay, yeah, our dog is definitely always kind of in the backyard. It's a fenced in backyard. Like you shouldn't have any trouble like with our dog essentially, which is always kind of reassuring because sometimes you'll get the person where it's kind of like, well, this is my, my house is my residence. Like if my dog wants to go outside and wander around, he can like, I feel like if you get that person, then what you do <laughs> is you bake them sign. brownies, <laughs> <laughs> depending what type of person is, what type of brownies, but you make them brownies and you schmooze. Sugar above. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. Just just try to get them on your good side however you can before getting to like the conflict part. Sure. And then I thought it was interesting because our other neighbor on the opposite side, they have a very small dog and our girls actually were super excited for the little... One of them was. One of them was <laughs> the actually really one. scared of the dog. <laughs> uh, but, but I was surprised. That was another thing is like once we got to know our neighbors, that kind of gives you like a peace of mind a little bit because if you get lucky like us, and you have friendly neighbors, then I have an extra set of eyes on my kids if anything happens and they're outside and they happen to see it. When you are building that rapport, it helps with those other issues that a lot of parents report when they are in neighborhoods with people who aren't as understanding. One of those things that tends to happen is when your kid is having an autistic meltdown where they're really loud or really aggressive, sometimes neighbors will call CPS on you. They will call the police on you. They will constantly harass you because they think that you're either abusing your child or they don't know what's going on. So we went out of our way to explain to them, hey, our kids can be loud. Let us know. Be in touch with with us directly and we'll we'll try our best but they have some issues essentially that make it difficult for them to stay quiet at times and that's where we learned about their kid because they're like oh no 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 it's fine our kids really loud too but if you don't do that a you could get people who don't understand and don't empathize and they will call CPS or b you might not know that there is a jerk in your neighborhood because you didn't get a chance to talk to them because when you talk to them they're either going to be really nice and understanding or they're going to be a jerk and you'll know right off the bat who the jerk is, you'll know that, okay, when I'm around this person, I'm going to have to be a little more cautious. And kind of going back to, I mean, honestly, some of the things that we kind of stated in previous episodes regarding the diagnosis, we didn't feel the need to actually disclose the title of autism during either of these interactions that we had with our immediate neighbors. We were able to give them the specific struggles that our children have as far as like sound version, sometimes as far as meltdowns, as far as eloping. I mean, we were able to kind of pin individual items rather than just kind of dropping like, oh, they're autistic. And then them trying to struggle like with, okay, what does that what mean? What does that mean? And I mean, we've mentioned that uh, countless times uh, throughout the episodes that it might be more effective to uh, actually identify the struggles versus just dropping a label. And I mean, that's what we did. So they are aware of the individual characteristics that they struggle with and they can be aware of those should they ever pop up. 
Sometimes we get this question of like, you know, should we disclose a diagnosis? We've talked about this a couple times in the other episodes. So when it comes to your neighbors, again, all of these things is just our personal opinions. You do what's best for you. But in our personal opinion, it's kind of like a feel it out situation, I think. Do you agree? I feel like it is, but... I would think so. And I mean, and again, we mentioned this before, unless the person you're speaking to has a strong background with autism, it doesn't do any good to basically... I mean, it'd be basically someone coming to you and being like, my child has philakamukala. <laughs> and you being like, oh, cool. Let me Google that and try and figure out what the heck that is. Like that, that doesn't help you unless I'm you- sure that doesn't exist. That sounded uh, very made up to me. <laughs> Google it. Google it. I don't think You'll I can spell that. <laughs> is it with a pH? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, unless they actually know and in depth what that means. And even if they do, I mean, we have two autistic children that if someone said, oh, my, my child's autistic, we'd be still trying to feel it out being like, okay, like, what are their sensitivities? What do they struggle with? I mean, it's different for every child. So it's not super helpful, in my opinion. It's just a identification characteristic. And that's all it is. Yeah, depending on your expertise level. To some people who are aware of that, that might be really helpful information. But for the vast majority of people, they don't really know what to do with that. What we did essentially is, like Matt said, is we told them specifically what our kid might have issues with. They might run away. They might be scared of the dog. They might be kind of like antisocial and kind of hide from you and things like that. Those were the things that we explained to them. And it's kind of just like an an as-needed basis. Like we didn't go around the entire neighborhood and tell all, what, 80-something people in this neighborhood. (laughs) We only told like the people kind of like in our immediate vicinity in our little cul-de-sac area, the people who would probably see our kids kind of like on a day-to-day basis. Plus it makes sense because, I mean, their legs are only so tall. So, I mean, it would take them quite a a while before. Have you seen the youngest one run? (laughs) But her legs are so short. It'd take her so long to get to the next house. So therefore, when her legs get a little bit longer, we'll start branching out the people that we know. (laughs) The taller they get, the further (laughs) out we we widen her net. (laughs) Exactly. Just uh, working off of a radius, but uh, no. Right. Yes. Okay. (laughs) For the record, that's not what I'm going to do. Another thing that we hear about is like those signs, those like neighborhood street signs. I'm not sure. I think we mentioned this once before in probably season one or two. But there's these signs that you can put in your neighborhood that you can ask for. It basically says like autistic child in neighborhood or like keep an eye for autistic child nearby or something like that. And there's this big debate about that, whether or not that's something you should do, shouldn't do. For me personally, I am not the type of person who's comfortable with that because I feel like when you put that out there, you're kind of signaling to the world that, hey, I have a vulnerable child here. And to me, that kind of puts a target on their back in the sense that somebody will know that they have a higher chance of succeeding in some sort of negative plot, whether that's kidnapping or whatever it may be. I just feel like that makes my child more vulnerable by kind of announcing it like that. When you see signs that say child at play, deaf community, elderly community, when you see all these other signs that identify the people that live in the community, they all signal the same thing to the driver. Be cautious of the people in this residence. So, I mean, I guess my thing is like, the driver doesn't necessarily need to know, oh, okay, this kid has ADHD, this kid is autistic, this kid right. is dyslexic. Like, it's like what, TMI. What, what, I mean, what, what, did, what does it matter to them? I mean, if you had a sign saying like, slow down, children at play, or I mean, whatever the sign is, it's just alerting the driver like, oh, okay, this community has kids, I will be more cautious. I mean, that, right. that's the bottom line. I do think there's some that do make more sense, though. Like, I know in our last neighborhood, there was a sign that said, like, cautious, like, deaf person nearby. 
I think that one makes sense because that means that if the person's on the road and you're honking and they're not listening, they're not reacting, that's important to know that like, okay, you may hit this person by accident because you're expecting them to hear your horn and they're not going to. So something like that makes sense to me. But there is a general understanding of deafness. There's a general understanding of what deafness means to the general public, whereas there's not a general understanding of what autism means. So I feel like if there was a sign that said autistic child in neighborhood or something like that, again, we would run into that same problem of, okay, what does this mean? Like, what do I do with this information? And I just feel like the majority of people wouldn't know what to do with that information. Right. Because I think there is a misunderstanding a little bit where the parents of autistic children believe that the greater community knows about autism just because we live it every day and we've read up or seen videos and all this stuff gone to the therapies, all this doesn't mean your neighbor, the stranger down the road, like it doesn't mean they have, which means you're trying to educate someone with one word that there's no basis for. So, I mean, I feel like it's almost counterproductive because it doesn't actually accomplish what you're trying to make it do, but it gives the false impression because if you put up that sign, you're like, perfect. We have the autism child or whatever it says. So you feel more comfortable. So it gives you a false sense of security because the vast majority of people driving down the road have no idea what that sign means. All they know is, okay, I guess I'll be more cautious driving because I don't really know what that means at best. Right. So this is like one of those scenarios where I feel like you do you again, we're very much so advocates of you do you like we give <laughs> you phrase <laughs> yeah like we we do, we give advice on things based off of our personal experience and what we've learned and what we've read but at the end of the day we're still very human we make mistakes we learn as we try and everybody has a slightly different life experience so what works for one person might not work for another person and most importantly you know your child better than we do so i mean obviously don't listen to us. I mean, only for how to uh, raise your child. We know what works best for our children, but I mean, clearly you know what works best for yours. Right. Definitely just take us as like one piece of the puzzle and just keep looking for everything else out there and compare and contrast. But just from our personal experience, that's how we feel just from how our kids are, what we've experienced with other parents that both understand and don't understand autism and what we think would work best for us. Now, if you happen to be lucky in a neighborhood where people know what autism is, who knows, maybe you're in a more metropolitan area where there's a medical facility nearby. So there's lots of doctors and nurses in your neighborhood. It might work there. It might work really well there. So again, this is all just based on our experience. And I would just look into what you think works best for your specific situation. And of course, if your experience is different, please let us know. I mean, we're pretty open, easygoing people. Just uh, send us a comment, anything, just get in touch with us and be like, hey, that the thing you mentioned about the autism sign for children, that's not really the experience I've had. This is my experience. And just let us know. So then, I mean, we can relay that in the future to other people that we speak to. We can say like, hey, our personal experience is this, but we spoke to someone in Montana or something. <laughs> and they told us- uh, I feel like Montana's one Montana. of the places they wouldn't I picked, use I picked the this sign. state, sorry. Uh, <laughs> New, New York, York City. There we go. And that's not the case at all. Everyone in our community is well aware of autism and it's a super friendly environment. And that's not our experience at all. It's just good to know. I mean, we're only going off of our experience and what we've read and just based off of our own knowledge. So it's always good to hear what other people have as far as knowledge or experience out there. So please let us know. Yeah. And if you are interested in ever letting us know your stories, if we get anything that you think is wrong and you want to like correct us or change the record on it, just send us an email. We're open. It's podcast at autismwish.org. We're going to be looking at all emails and comments all the time that we get. And we are totally open to making any changes if we see there's a 
reasonable reason to change whatever it is that we said, because again, we're not experts, we're experts in our own experience. And we just want to share with you what's worked for us. And we're doing our darndest to make sure that we give you as much value for what we've learned and kind of condense what we learned in several years into just 30 minute episodes. So obviously things kind of get lost in translation a little bit there, but we're doing the best that we can. I hope that it is helpful for you guys at least. But kind of circling back to what we were talking about, when it comes to having a child who might have a lot of meltdowns, or they're loud, or they're aggressive, and perhaps having neighbors who may not be comfortable with that, it might be calling CPS or things like that. One of the things that I would highly, highly recommend that we haven't had a chance to do here yet, but we're going to do is get in touch with your local police department, whoever it is that runs in your local department, your local area, and get in touch with them, introduce your child to them, have your child get to know them, see if they can give your child a little tour and get them on one of those like autism lists. They do have those lists where they'll put a profile for your child in their system. You can let them know like your child's preferences, if they're verbal, nonverbal, how to react around your child, if they ever find them, things like that. And you can also have them put like a picture of them in there, your emergency contact information, everything. So if that child does elope or something happens, A, they'll be able to get them quicker in terms of being able to put out a description to the public and all that. But B, if somebody calls CPS on you, you've already pre-warned them, hey, my child tends to be aggressive and loud. This sometimes can trigger neighbors to get upset. I'm not like abusing my child. It's just that my child has autism. So I just wanted to let you know this in advance in case you do constantly get these phone calls. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree. Getting ahead of it is probably key because if you you already notify the local police department, they already are aware, okay, this child is autistic. So if a call does come in about, oh, there's a child screaming in the neighborhood and they give the address, they'll be like, okay, we already know what the situation. I mean, they'll probably still send a um, deputy or police officer to that residence just to see if everything's okay. But at the same time, they already kind of have a heads up of, okay, this is likely what the situation would be. And then on the uh, the flip side of that is if your child does wander off, go missing, then they can start off checking major waterways, would you call it? Water? Yeah. Water? Probably. Water, I don't know. Bodies of water. Body of water. There we go. <laughs> to make sure, um, obviously, just because of the uh, the high drowning rate among autistic children. So, I mean, they already know, so you don't have to waste time with telling them on the phone for the first time, oh, my child's autistic, and then kind of them scrambling to figure out, okay, should we start here? They kind of have our head start a little bit. So, I definitely think being proactive there can be definitely beneficial. And I think that goes to say in particular for those of you who have adult autistic children who are on the more severe end, or if you have teenager autistic children who are more aggressive, things like that, because those are the ones that tend to get into more conflict with police officers that can end up not going well. So if you want to help kind of prevent those situations, it's not foolproof. Things can still go wrong, but at least it's one step that you can take to help create a probably, hopefully, likely more positive experience if there ever is this sort of like run in between your kid and the police in the future. I mean, they've had training on how to deal with individuals with disabilities, but at the same time, the first thing they're not necessarily thinking about is, okay, this child, teenager, whoever is not responding to what I'm saying. I'm not sure if they're evading or any other type of situations. Obviously, you don't want it to be escalated if it can easily be deterred. And if you're like us, where you're in a neighborhood that's in the middle of nowhere, because we're kind of like in the boonies right now, <laughs> then they might not be aware of autism in the police department. Offer them some sort of like, you know, spiel on it. Tell them, hey, I have an autistic kid. I would love to tell you a little bit about autism, how it presents and things that you can do if you ever run into somebody like my child. And then what you could do is basically, but I don't have the time, but here's my podcast and listen to all the episodes (laughs) so you can get caught up. (laughs) 
That's pretty much all we have for you in this episode. I just wanted to make sure that you all got just a little taste of things that you can do when you go into a new neighborhood to try to make that transition easier for your kids and for the neighbors. Yeah, I would say don't sit back and kind of neglect the neighborhood community or the police or anything like that. I would say you should definitely get involved to some degree. I mean, you don't have to bake them cookies on a regular basis or anything like that, but at least so they are aware of who you are, that you're there with a uh, a child who has autism, just so they, I mean, have some type of knowledge. I mean, and of course, you don't have to disclose the diagnosis, but just so they are aware of the struggles that your child has. Right. I see the neighborhood as an opportunity that can go either way. So we can either try to find a way to take advantage of this potential community system and network that could be a support for us, or it might turn against us and be something that's really controversial and really hurts us. So that's why I just try to get ahead of it and just try to make it influence as early as I can to see if I could sway it towards the positive. Yeah, there you go. So let's see how it works. If all else fails, brownies. There you go. All right, everyone. That's all we have today. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Bye. Bye. To review, we discussed how getting to know your neighbors can provide your child with the opportunity to transition into the neighborhood while also creating a potential future support system. We also note that while disclosing the diagnosis is not necessary, letting your neighbors know some of your child's struggles may be beneficial, such as noting any specific sensory triggers like a dog barking. It may also be helpful to make them aware of your child's elopement risk so that your neighbors may also keep alert. Tune in next week as we chat about disinformation surrounding autism, as we answer questions such as, what is the difference between disinformation and misinformation? How do I know if the information I'm being told about autism is accurate? And what can I do to ensure the information I learn about autism is accurate in the future if I've been misinformed in the past? This is Embracing Autism. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.